Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and I hope all of you are safe, healthy, and you're doing well right now. In this episode, my guest is Golf Week senior writer Adam Shupak. In the podcast you're about to hear, Adam and I talk about the recently announced TaylorMade driving relief match that's going to pit Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson against Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. We also talk about whether shots that appear to be holes in one on golf courses but are repelled by foam or plastic guards that are right now in the holes at most golf courses around the United States and around the world, should those shots really be considered a hole-in-one or is that a hole-in-one with an asterisk? I don't know. And finally, because everyone's buzzing about the Michael Jordan documentary that's been airing on Sunday nights on ESPN, Adam and I talk about who, right now, is golf's alpha dog and who is golf's all-time alpha dog. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Back Book, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the take-anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body primed for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. So I'd like to welcome once again back to the Four Press Podcast, Adam Shupak, who is right now in sunny, warm Florida. As I'm, I'm actually in sunny Connecticut right now, Shup, but it's blustery. I think it's in the low 50s. We had a gorgeous weekend. Tons of people out playing golf this weekend in Connecticut. And once again, we were being teased, and there was actually a snowflake in the uh, in the forecast overnight. I think it's Friday night. We're supposed to get down into the low 30s and some of the hilly parts of Connecticut up towards the Berkshires, up around Litchfield County. There is snow is not off the table for a couple of those folks. I don't live up in that area, but um, my gosh, I'm so envious of, of the weather that you guys have gotten. Spring has sucked so far here in the Northeast. How are you doing? Have you been playing golf? Yeah, this is it's been you know this is the longest I've been home in a, a really long time. <laughs> uh, definitely the longest that I've been home since I've been married, and uh, it's been great. It's been great being home. The, like you said, the weather here in Florida has been fantastic. Golf courses have stayed open here. It's been a an essential activity. Um, so it it has been an essential part of my of, of my uh, daily activities too because I've been uh, been doing some putting indoors. That's that's really seems to be helping up with my. Uh, putting once I get out on the course and been playing more work on a little bit of a swing change try to uh, change my ball flight that my my uh, my hook is turning into maybe a, a three-yard draw people tell me but I call, like to call it my buttercut mm. um, but uh, yeah I've been playing been playing a lot of golf when I've had a chance to uh, with with, all, with this good weather I've got some great courses near me so it's been fun how are you going about a swing change 
during a pandemic? Because I'm a, are you taking lessons? Or are you just is this from your own eye? What are you doing? I've just kind of yeah, I'm just kind of figuring it out on my own now. No lessons, but just kind of been figuring it out. Um, I, I just I mean, it's not some of it's not that hard. I've always just aimed so far right that if I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm just figuring it out figuring out where the ball goes and, 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 uh, making slight adjustments as need be. And I think I'm on the right track and it's been, it's fun to like look at the golf course in a totally different way from how I normally plot my way around it. You're like the bizarro world, Bruce Litsky. You know, you're just looking nothing but right and just, just, just hammering it. Just, just, just I've always said I'm the, I'm the anti Bruce Litsky. I could never hit a, could never hit a fade or a cut or make the ball go left to right. And, and so it's kind of fun when I actually, do it right what's funny is that um off the tee my my just natural shot is left to right and that's fine you know i i realize that i'm, I'm probably giving up five or ten yards and, and 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 that's fine but then i've always struggled with overdrawing you know borderline hooking my irons up to maybe say like seven iron after that it's it's going to go relatively straight um but if but if I've got to hit a five or a six iron, I never fear, you know, cut, I, I can hit a cut shot. It's it's somewhat inconsistent, but I can do it. I've hit some nice cut shots uh, with my irons. But it's funny to have a left to right ball flight naturally with the driver and with the big clubs, and then to naturally draw borderline hook irons. It's uh, it's it gets a little maddening at times. I'm I'm not going to tell you that it's not. Um, does your wife, who I know is a very good player, ever give you? swing tips or instruction or is, is have you guys no, realized the, uh... <laughs> I really wish I really I really wish that she could give me some tips along the way but that's she's just she just kind of does it and uh mm. doesn't have a good eye for that that side of it. at least that's what she tells me uh but if this thing doesn't work out I might just have you send me down some 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 of those southpaw clubs of yours and you know <laughs> I, I I am uh ambidextrous so I've always thought maybe I should just try take up the game lefty and maybe that way I could hit the ball uh, left to right. So, uh, that, that might be my way of, yeah. of, of it, changing it up. I, I, so, so when I was in college, um, in exchange for court time, because I was a collegiate tennis player, as, as you know, and I think a lot of listeners probably don't, I gave tennis lessons and maintained hard, you know, clay courts and, and vacuum parkers and did it basically everything around my local tennis clubs so that I wouldn't have to pay to play into practice. And I remember watching, thankfully, not on the court that I was teaching on, but the one right next to me, I saw a divorce, right? I, I saw it happen where the wife was an excellent tennis player, one of the best at the club. And the husband was fair to, okay, like he, he could play a little bit. She had had it with him missing and he, he, she was giving him instruction, trying to, to, to help him out. He slams his racket down and said, God damn blanket that's enough and walked behind the curtain got in his car and drove away we never saw him again it was it was one of the more epic things and from then on i'm like boy you know what spouses giving each other advice in tennis and in golf that's a slippery slope i've my my wife enjoys she's just getting into golf now my daughter's kind of getting into it a little bit my son is is tough because he's worried that it's going to mess up his baseball swing uh, and he's all about baseball at this point, but but it's it's a slippery slope. Um, the big news that we had yesterday, we're recording this Tuesday around lunchtime, um, is Monday. The TaylorMade dri- um, Driving Relief. Uh, basically, this is going to be a big program, an exhibition match 
really a charity exhibition match, I should say, which is going to be basically helped out by TaylorMade, uh, televised by NBC Sports as well as Sky on May 17th, the afternoon of May 17th, from 2 to 6. So just uh, underneath two weeks, we've got Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson playing against Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. Um, $3 million in charity skins going to various COVID-19 relief efforts. This It felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Had you heard that this was in the works? Had you gotten any sniff that... Yeah, no, I think there were... I think this... I think it was floating around. There were some definitely some some uh, some uh, rumors about this happening. Um, so yeah, I, I I was hearing some some things about it, um, and I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I kind of been wondering like what is going on with golf during quarantine? How is it every musician has managed to play us a little concert in their <laughs> living room? I can't get one camera one cameraman to follow around one of our favorite players, and you know show us some golf every day. I, I just feel like uh, golf has kind of missed an opportunity here with being one of those sports that you can go out and, mm-hmm. and still be playing. Um, and so, I mean, I've seen Ian Poulter uh, driving a race car more than I've seen him swing a golf club. Yeah. So I, I think it's great that we're going to have something like this. Uh, I, I think there've been some good ideas out there. I'm not sure how much the PGA tour has to do with, uh, with some of the delays. And I, I know we were written about, uh, Steve Elkington and the secret golf group wanted to do it. They were talking, they wanted to have six, six matches. And right now they're, they're still hashing out number one <laughs> and we don't, we still don't have a date for, for tiger and Phil and that, and that yeah. match, you know, the match too. Um, but I'm excited for this one mostly because, well, I mean, at this point, um, I mean, I, I'd watch, you know, we've been watching marbles lately, so <laughs> I think any golf is great right now. And you got four really good, you know, yeah. four great players here. Um, it, it the matchup, maybe I, I think I might've split these teams a little differently, but, um, I get it with obviously too. with the golf with, course. Yeah. Man. I mean, well, Seminole. yeah, I, mean, I was going to get to that a second. Hold, hold that. Finally see. Hold that thought for just a second, shoot, because it's it's to me, yeah. The the first thing when I saw the names, I'm like, okay, so there's McElroy, sweet world number one player, Um, Dustin Johnson, former world number one U.S. Open champion, Fowler, huge draw, you know, multiple PGA Tour winner, immensely popular, great Matthew Wolf, like, oh, okay, so I get that they're all tailor made guys. Um, and, you know, with the exception, obviously, being of, of Ricky, but he does play a tailor-made ball, so there is that sort of element to it. The first thing that hit me was that Matthew Wolf, while I think the world of him, and obviously he he won in his rookie campaign last season, two thousand nineteen. He's an Oklahoma State guy, so putting him with with Fowler, an Oklahoma State guy, like okay, I get it. Am I wrong in thinking that Matthew Wolf is like a studio guitarist who's being asked to come in and sit in on a session with Eric Clapton? It's like okay know your place here. <laughs> this is not the stage for you. Yeah, Am I, mean, I wrong in thinking that? I think the natural thought is like, why wouldn't he be paired with JT? I mean, Justin Thomas is right there in the backyard. He's playing some of the best golf in the world. They're such good friends. Um, you know, they, they, that's the natural to me was with those, those two guys. Or I, I would have liked to have seen Kepka up against Rory just because those two guys are still having some words at each other back and forth. It's kind of fun. We want to see that rivalry. And, and I think it could have been, been part of it, but, but this, like you said, it's a, it's a tailor made production mm-hmm. um, with all four of the players being there. But I think, I think Matt Wolf is an exciting up and coming oh, sure. guy. I think it'll, it's great opportunity for him. And uh, 
And he's got a lot of charisma being a bit of a personality. I think, I think he might be the star of the show because I mean, DJ's not the big person, you know, he's not going to have the one liners, you know, Rory and, and, and Ricky are, uh, I love, I love listening to Rory, but I just think, I think Wolf might come away being the surprise guy out of this. And he, he's got some experience at the course. He played uh, Walker cup practice session there a few years back. And then, and then also, uh, you know, played in the Seminole, pro member this year and mm-hmm. um all these guys really have a lot of experience at this course i was i was hearing that rory not too long ago his dad's a member there um was nine under through 14 and threatening the course record before wow. uh i think he had some trouble at, at 15 but uh and and you know ricky's playing some pretty good golf he, we did see some video or, or or and saw some uh tweets from jt about how uh i think ricky shot 60 one day not too long ago so um you know that you wanted to talk a little bit about Seminole. That's well, a place yeah, where I mean, if, that's, if the wind blows yeah, something, you know. But if the wind doesn't blow, these guys can make a ton of birdies. So I think that, as you sort of alluded to, the, the star of the show, even with that that formidable lineup of players, is going to be Seminole Golf Club. Seminole is one of those golf courses. When you're going through airports, back when we all used to fly planes and such, and you would see guys wearing their golf polo shirts, and you'd see – you know, an Augusta national flag or, you know, the, the, that kind of a logo, maybe you'd see Shinnecock or you, you would see some of the other ones that, that we serve in the business you, that would sort of raise an eyebrow. If you saw somebody wearing a hat with the swirl, ooh, a whisper rock, something there, or di- different ones elicit different reactions. And it's sort of like, okay, there are a lot of people who have uh, a U.S. open from Beth page hat or whatever. If you see somebody with Seminole um, on their belt, uh, you know, sort of on the down low, or they they pull out a money clip and it's got the seminal, you know, logo on or something like that. This immediately tells you many things. This person is most likely has very blue blood. Um, they know a lot about golf and they know most likely have played. I'm assuming if they've got the swag several times at one of the most prestigious and most private golf clubs. And I don't think there's any question, at least in my mind, all due respect to TPC Sawgrass and Calusa Pines and some of the other very nice courses, the best golf course in the state of Florida is Seminole. I, I think that's sort of universally accepted. You've had a chance to play it, right? Did, did, did you get out there and what was your experience with it? Yeah, I've, I've been there, done that only once. Uh, it was it was interesting experience. I, my dad knew a member and called in a favor. I, happened, I was down in that area and, and uh, I got there a little early and it was one of these situations where my member wasn't there yet. So I was not allowed to like go hit practice. I couldn't go to the range and hit balls. I couldn't go in the, in the pro shop and buy a shirt. I, I had to wait in the, in the club, in the locker room, the men's locker room until my member showed up. That was kind of a, a an unusual twist mm. that I wasn't ready for. And then the other thing, these guys play fast there. Um, this was the, I, I you know, that was the only thing that was, I found disappointing was this was speed golf where as soon as like somebody made birdie, you couldn't get, everybody just picked up the ball and you went to the next hole. And I think we played in, in like two, for some walking in two hours and 45 minutes. And wow. it just went too fast for me. I didn't even get to, you know, really stop and enjoy, enjoy it. Or like I wanted to hit my eight foot par putt, even though, um, the hole would, you know, we'd lost the hole or like, it, but the other incredible thing, the thing I'll remember is like, it was one of the places where I really had to listen to a caddy. I remember him telling me, I think it might've been the, the second hole um, that you had to hit aim, aim for like 
20, 20, 30 feet right of the pin because everything went right to left. And I hit my ball all about like, it was a beautiful shot for me, but it went about eight feet from the pin. And next thing I knew the ball was in the bunker. Mm. It had rolled all the way off the green. And then the, the next guy uh, hits it right where the, the caddy had told him about 30 feet right. And, he, and his ball catches the slope and it and he's got a kick in it and like i had to hold that bunker shot otherwise they're like okay pick it up <laughs> and uh <laughs> but yeah. you know it's a beautiful place some great views the 12th tee um, is elevated one of the i think it's the only hole that goes uh west to east and you're looking out at the ocean there and it, it's um you know donald ross so the greens are are phenomenal and and crazy and you gotta you gotta be very precise with your iron play. Very much a second shot golf course, and uh, I, I think it's gonna be really fun. And if the wind blows, I mean, forget it. These guys are not gonna make a lot of birdies. But if it doesn't, if the wind happens to sit down that day, um, you know, somebody, I think there'll be some really low scoring. I, I think it's gonna be fun no matter what, just to see the course, yeah. Um, just to watch these guys get out and play again. I don't care if they're rusty. I mean, Rory talked about he hadn't played in in seven weeks but don't touch the club but i think it, all of them will be uh raring to go and and uh man just to see some good live golf i mean i'm enjoying watching some of the old masters but um i'm ready to you know just watch just about anything right now yeah i, I think you know i think that you probably would agree with this I, I could care less who wins this that that to me is totally irrelevant i'm thrilled that they're going to be raising and and sending a lot of money to worthwhile charities to buy to fight COVID-19 and, and to hopefully help some people out. And, and that's great. That's to me what this should be all about selfishly. And I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast will agree. We're, we're thirsty for any kind of live sport, live golf, especially that we can get our hands on the fact that we've got two, you know, number ones, one of the most charismatic players and Fowler on the tour and a real up and comer. Again, if you, if you're not familiar with Matthew Wolf, you certainly should be. And, and he's going to be a name for himself for the next, Oh, couple decades I, I think it's pretty safe to say um the fact that we have it at Seminole is going to be a real treat for many people this will be a first look um at the golf course certainly in any kind of detail and and I could care less you know what team ends up winning how many birdies are made I just I'm, I'm thirsty to see it um I'm thirsty just to sort of get back into it we're it sounds like uh, about a month away, give or take, from when we might get some some real golf, some PGA Tour stuff going on at Colonial. We've got some time to build up to that and just keep our fingers crossed that testing becomes more and more available and that kickoff to, to the PGA Tour season becomes more of a realistic option, less maybe a little pie in the sky that some people may have thought of. But, but, but whatever we can get at this point, I'm thrilled to get. I got a question for you, though, in that a couple people reached out to me, Shoop, on Twitter, um, at golfweek underscore Dusek is my Twitter handle, and and asked me about holes in one. And I bring it up to you because recently Jordan Spieth was playing at a place in Texas that was open, was playing a team match. The way that I heard him describe it, his partner put it on a par three of about 110 or 115 yards, put it to like 12 feet, and Spieth was up there and says, okay, well, I may as well go at it hits a sand wedge and hits basically the the retainer or the the plastic device that keeps the ball from going into the hole. Obviously, golf courses right now are putting in different types of either plastic or foam devices to keep the ball out so that people don't have to reach into the cup one after the other um, in order to be safe. He counts it as a hole in one. 
now people had reached out to me on Twitter and and described similar events where playing as a foursome, hit a shot into a par three, hits on the green, rolls gently up, taps, you know, essentially the pool noodle or whatever the little piece of plastic it was, and gets deflected off to the side. I say, in this day and age, right now, with all the crap that everyone's dealing with, congratulations. If, if your playing partners are good with it, then I'm good <laughs> with it. Congratulations, hole-in-one. What says you, Shoepack? Well, I, I watched I, – I was standing behind the tee at the BMW a few years back when when uh, Jordan Spieth made a, a real ace and he bought the media uh, – <laughs> when we got back to the media center, there was uh, – there were a couple coolers filled with Shinerbach. So nice. I, if it's if it's Jordan Spieth, I'm going to say it's good because I want I, I, I like how he buys refreshments for the media. Uh, but I don't know. I think maybe an asterisk is, is necessary. I mean, hmm. if you're 100 percent sure, I guess if everybody kind of agrees that it was definitely a whole one, I guess so. But I, I guess in, like you say in this these times, uh, I guess I'm OK with it. But I think the, you need to be able to really pick the ball out of the hole. And uh, if that's the way it's set up right now, and I don't know. Have you ever hit a hole in one? I, I have. I got one. It's been a long time, though. Long drought. <laughs> where, was where, was, day, was, though. Where, where was it? Where was it? Jason Lusk and I were playing the other day at Palaka, and I, I stuck one to, to two feet. Well, I was close with you when we were uh, when we were at the, the country club. What, was it about three years ago? <laughs> That's right. And and that was like right by Tom Brady's house. And I think I put it to about a foot. Yeah, 14. Yeah, I think I put it to yeah, like a foot or two on that downhill par three. I was like, ooh, that'd be nice. I mean, instead of, you know, maybe a, a beer from Brady, a kiss from Giselle would have been kind of a nice congratulations. But <laughs> hey, but where, where was yours? Uh, mine was at my, of course, I grew up at Metropolis Country Club in White Plains, number 15. It's a uphill par three. And uh, yeah. That's the only one I've made. It's been a long time. Well, one of the ways that a lot of people have been enjoying, or I shouldn't say enjoying, but getting through, home, you know, having to stay at home and stuff like that has been watching The Last Dance on ESPN, the Jordan doc, which has been, I, I, as a person who's a fan, I, I think everybody's a fan of Michael Jordan, unless you were a Nick fan. And sorry, Shoop, I, I know you are a Nick fan. Um, it's been amazing and, and pretty revealing. I know a lot of people who are really into the NBA have known a bunch of these stories, um, but you know, I, I won't bring up to the fact that that uh, the Charles Smith game was was on last Sunday night, and they they were talking about that one from '93. Probably some still painful memories. One of the big takeaways, my my favorite episode so far, has been the fifth episode where they really went into quite a bit of depth about the 1992 Olympic team. And Jordan is coming off of winning the NBA championship with the Bulls in '92, and is selected and goes on to the Dream Team. Now, this is the team, obviously, the first one with NBA players that's going to Barcelona and it's Jordan and Ewing, Bird, Magic, um, Carl Malone, John Stockton, uh, David Robinson. It is as stacked a team in sport as has ever been assembled for any sport in, in my mind. But what came out of it, and I had seen the footage of this, was that there was a pickup game in practice where Chuck Daly basically has the guys divide up. Magic Johnson has his team. Michael Jordan has his team, and they play four quarters, and they have at it. And this is sort of little bits and pieces that are out there on the internet if you want to see this. But what really comes about is that's the changing of the guard in the NBA, where it had been Magic and Bird's year. And Bird is nursing a sore back. He's sort of shot at this point. He's a shell of the former player that he that he was. But Magic is still the alpha. It's It's his league, if you will. And Jordan now coming off the title – 
gets torqued off at, at a couple of the things that are said during the game. That's all it takes. And he takes over and wins the game. And essentially, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird after acknowledge there's a new sheriff in town. And they sort of are la- laughing to each other. It's like, he ain't lying. You know? and, the, and Magic beams that big smile. And it's, it's an acknowledgement that Michael Jordan is now the alpha, the alpha dog of the NBA. Last year, at about this time, um, a couple weeks from from now, you get Brooks Kepka winning another PGA Championship, getting four majors in a relatively short period of time, and it had the feeling that he was becoming the alpha of the PGA Tour. I mean, for more than a decade, Tiger Woods had that hook, line, and sinker through the two thousands. He is undeniably the guy. Um, who do you think right now? As we you know, obviously, you know today. Everything's going crazy. Who wh- who is the alpha as you see it right now on the PGA Tour? Well, I think it's kind of up for grabs. I, I don't think it's. I, I I know I totally agree with you. I think I wrote in my you know game piece about kept winning the PGA that he was now the alpha. But I think it's kind of up for grabs between he and Rory and, and let's not forget Tiger. I really felt like Tiger after watching him at the president's cup, mm-hmm. um, was ready to, to, to throw a beat down on these guys again, um, this season. And was kind of disappointed to, to see him come out and, 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 and not play very well and, and look injured again and, and not, and unable to play. But I, I still feel like there's an opportunity for Tiger. You know, he's, I think he's still the guy that that's, most feared um right now in golf but you know i think i think kepka i think kepka and rory i, I want to see them mm-hmm. get after it and and um that battle for number one and for and you know for rory i think he needs to he needs to win another major to really cement his status if he he's got number one back but he's still got a long drought with the majors he's he's in, and they're in a tie right now at four i think one of the great questions is who's who's going to end up with more majors mm-hmm. you know tired um Rory or or Kepka is a is a great water cooler debate right now. It is. Um, I, I'm I would throw my vote such as it is to Rory. Um, I I think looking back sort of from the bottom of his season last year where he missed the cut at the British Open at Royal Port Rush, I think there was a lot of pressure that he put on himself. There was certainly a lot of pressure and scrutiny that was put onto him before the start of that tournament. He didn't handle it as well as I think that he would handle it today. And I realize it's less than a year. I have to believe that that was a big growing up moment for him. And he's had several of them. Uh, He's imploded at the Masters a couple times. Um, And I think a lot of people forget that early in Rory's career, you'd remember this, when he was primarily still a European tour player. So 08, 09, he had a reputation for not being a finisher. He was somebody that would go out and shoot a fantastic round or two and would get, you know, he would let it slip away on Sundays. He couldn't finish the deal and wind up T3 or solo second or fifth or whatever, but not win as often as he should, which is somewhat reminiscent of what we saw over the last, you know, say eight to 12 months. Um, but I, I, I've been so impressed, Shoop, with every single week leading up to the Players' Championship it never felt like he wasn't about to win. It never felt to me like he was going to mail in a tournament and get, you know, one good round. So he's going to get a T12 and collects a nice check and, and leaves. He, he, 
it felt like watching him. And the little I had a chance to speak with him at uh, at Bay Hill for about fifteen or twenty, he he. It feels like he's figured it out. It felt to me like he had come to grips mentally with the way that he needs to approach the game, and he was very comfortable with letting the results simply happen. But but coming up with a process that was going to help him basically just get into the mix every single week, and and the results were there. And to me, that's. The Alpha wins more than Rory has been winning. Kepka's knee bothers me. That I, I wish everybody the best of health, but like the injury and the size of him and the physicality of his game, the fact that he didn't play President's Cup, he came back and really we didn't see anything from him in 2020. Um, and I, I get it. Like everybody gets injured. I get that. Um, but I, I need to see some stuff. I want, I'd like to see more from him on a week to week basis. That I'd like to see the majors Kepka in week to week stuff, and th- and this has been written. You've written about this that we never saw that dominant player that we saw at Beth Page, or that we saw at Valhalla, or or, or some of the places where he's he's won. The, the player at Shinnecock wasn't showing up in Memphis, wasn't showing up at Memorial, wasn't showing up. You know, at, at, at any number of different places. And Alpha does that. That was what was so wonderful about Tiger. Um, so the other question I wanted to ask you, and this I'll leave you sort of with this one is. Who is golf's all-time alpha? Like, who is the guy, if there was a, a meeting or a ballroom, forget even just, like, the Masters Champions Dinner, which is is pretty close to what the alpha gathering is we're going to get right now of people who are living. Who is the person that walks in the room and the room stops? Is it Nicholas? Is it Hogan? Woods? Palmer? Who, who in your mind, is golf's all-time alpha? Well, I, I'm going to go with Tiger just because he was so so dominant and, and I think these guys all bowed down to him and, and none of them really could compete with him and I mean you, you know listen to Adam Scott talk about just how much it how belittling it was and and, and, and or Ernie finishing you know second place but being 12 15 strokes behind and, and majors and stuff um, I, I think it's got to be Tiger and just the way the way he could just just seeing his name in contention these guys seemed to fold and and nobody there really wasn't a, a trevino or a watson type player who could stand up and 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 felt they could could beat them mm-hmm. I, I mean there you know occasionally you'd get a rich beam or <laughs> uh, but for the most part there really weren't you know i i think it's i think it's tiger although i i also think you know jumping in my head is the old is the tom weisskopf line about Nicholas that, you know, you know, he, he knew you were, he was going to beat you. You knew he was going to beat you. And then he'd just go out and kick your butt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've heard Brooks Kepka echo that in his approach How to major you? championships, you know, it's, it's, it's to me when Kepka is talking about how he loves going to majors because he knows half the guys show up, not thinking that they can win. So he only has to beat half the field and that, is is in some ways the ultimate sign that that Nicholas had it figured out. I could I could get it, and I know that there is this reverence that many many people have, and I have the utmost respect for what Ben Hogan was able to accomplish, especially given the fact that the severity of his injuries after the bus accident were as you know debilitating as they were. It's, it was an unbelievable accomplishment to to do what he did in '53. Um, to win three majors when basically that's all you could play. There, there wasn't air travel, so the, you, you had to pick. The one and only time he goes to the British Open, 
He goes to Carnoustie, arguably one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging open venue, and he wins. And it's, if that's not an alpha move, I don't know what is. Um, but the duration of, of Hogan is, I mean, Tiger Woods wins the Masters in 97, and Tiger Woods wins the Masters in 2019. 22-year separation from Masters championships is, is mind-boggling. That is that is a, an incredible move, and I also agree that the the most elite players, you know, however you want to rank them, they're all about majors. They're they're about wins. Um, they are about the persona of of being at the top of your game. And Tiger's had some really debilitating injuries. Tiger's gone through a lot of stuff that was self inflicted that took him away from the game in what could have been peak years. Imagine if Tiger Woods you know, comes off that golf course after beating Rocco Mediate in a playoff for the U.S. Open in 2008 and says, you know what, I'm not only shutting it down for this year, but I'm shutting it down for next year and doesn't have all these affairs and doesn't go through the scandal. If, if he just, you know, had a, 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 anything of his normal Tiger seasons, rehabilitates the knee and gets that. You're, you're talking about a guy that would have been expected, I would think, to, to get another five to eight PGA Tour wins between 2010, 11, and 12. People forget in 2013 he won five times. You know, I, he would he would have been he would have had 90 PGA Tour wins at this point. Um, and I think that the the best record that doesn't get enough play, except for people who are really kind of in the know, is Tiger Woods made cut streak. Um, is I, I'm going to get it wrong because I don't have it written down. Is it 143 shoot something like that? It's in the 140s, right? Where he made the cut over 140 tournaments in a row. Um, it's yeah, it, it, it's the Joe DiMaggio streak of, of No one's going to touch it. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, no one's going to touch that. So to, to me, I agree with you. I, I think, think right now, actually... Go ahead. Actually, I think uh, I, I, because Tom, Tom, Tommy Fleetwood missed the cut at uh, Bay Hill, which is the last tournament that got completed. So the cut leader is now Colin Morikawa, who has never missed a cut in his career. He's made every cut since he turned pro. And I think he's at around 15. Yeah. He's only had 15 starts and, and he's now the leader in terms of cuts made. So that gives you an idea just how <laughs> impressive. It's, it's, it's a joke. I, I remember at one point, a couple years ago, they showed, you know, active cut streaks made. And I think at the time it was Adam Scott at like 29 or 30. And they're like, Oh, you know, the guy's automatic. I'm like automatic. Are you kidding me? Like, the, yeah, it's it's great. Congratulations, you're making checks. That's what it's all about. But uh, it was, it's an unbelievable thing. So yeah, I agree. I think you have to say that, uh, with all due respect to uh, to Nelson and Sneed, um, Sarazen, Jones, all those guys, Hogan, obviously Palmer Wood. Like Woods is the all time alpha. I I totally agree. Shoop, I really appreciate you giving me a little bit of time. Stay safe down in Florida. Best best to the fam, and I'll talk to you soon, pal more final thing for you yeah i got yeah. one more final thing for oh, you wait, what do you got what do you got can't, can't 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 leave the show can't leave the show without wishing happy birthday to uh to the missus and is, uh, being a cinco de mayo birthday do you guys do mexican every year yeah, so how do you how do you do that so last year was a significant birthday for her charlene turned uh a significant number 29. last year and uh yes 29 <laughs> again once again 
And uh, evidently, she, the way that she has told me is that when she was in college, everyone had the fantastic idea, let's do a Cinco de Mayo birthday party. And so she has been sick of Cinco de Mayo-themed birthday parties. And it's, of course, a Tuesday. Uh, it's So the idea of Taco Tuesday, Cinco Taco de Mayo, Tuesday. and your birthday <laughs> uh, during the coronavirus, no, we, we are not. She has uh, requested... Uh, linguine with clam sauce tonight and molten chocolate cake. So that is what I will be making for her. And uh, yes, thank you very much. I will pass on the, the good wishes. Uh, yeah, she, I'm when, glad there's no seven o'clock conference call tonight because that would be that would that be would terrible. Be, uh, yeah, that ending. would be. Um, you remember like when Godzilla like flattens the whole city with like the the, the that blue fire breath? Yeah, just imagine that here in Connecticut. That would not have 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 gone down well. I'll talk to yeah, you soon, this pal. Is her Thanks day. a lot. All right. Bye. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.